All right. <clears throat> now I'm going to sit, and this is uh, the rocking chair that my wife got at a yard sale for <clears throat> $5, I think. And so it's a little scuffed up. Looks like a dog has chewed off the... Uh, uh, one of the one of the rockers here, but we've got it kind of hidden, so you can't see that. So that'll be good. Okay. So I'm going to ask y'all to just kind of pull your chairs up a little close and pretend that we're just sitting in the living room this morning, and uh, and I'm wanting to talk to our church family today. That's here. We got our fire fireside chat here. Okay. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> All right. So we're just going to take it easy, roast a few marshmallows, and. Uh, and just chat a little bit about uh, uh, Bear Creek Baptist Church. I told you, you know, I've been here uh, about four years now. It's amazing to me to think that I've been here that long already. I was here for a couple of years as your interim, and then a couple of years ago you asked me to come and be your pastor. And One of the first messages that I brought was about, uh, about what I believe God wants to see this church become. And uh, so today we're going to kind of do a little evaluation. Let me just go ahead and read the passage that I preached from when I first came here. It's in Acts chapter 2 where uh, uh, we see a picture of the church in its absolute pristine health when it first started and it just is the way the church ought to be. And it says in... uh, uh, many chords here in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 after the people have become believers it says and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the, uh, as any had need, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, that is a central worship area, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the church and its perfect health? Now, it didn't stay perfectly healthy very long because it's made up of sinful people. And I've never been in a church that was absolutely perfectly healthy because all churches are made up of people who are still growing and changing. But I remember when I brought this original message, I talked about how that the church in its healthy stage could be demonstrated by four ships and one ism. You remember that? No. Well, I I had to think about it myself. And uh, so the four ships are worship and fellowship, discipleship, and stewardship. And then the one-ism is evangelism. 
evangelism. Those are the five things that I think every good, healthy church will have. It'll have good worship. It'll have good fellowship. It'll have good discipleship. And it'll have good stewardship. And then it'll have uh, effective evangelism. So how, how are we doing? How would you say? Well, I think about worship. I think we have great worship here. I would say that uh, Stephanie and Tracy just do an amazing job in leading us into the presence of the Lord every week. So I would give us a high mark in the area of worship. I would like to see it improve, though, wouldn't you? I think uh, Stephanie was probably saying, yes, I'd like to see it get even better. And how, do, how can it get better? How could worship get better? And I think, uh, I, I, this is going to sound wrong, I thought about going ape on worship, you know, because I, A-P-E is what I thought of this week, that uh, good worship really begins with an acknowledgement of the greatness and the grace and the glory and the goodness of God. It starts with seeing God for who he is. That's what worship is. It is expressing to God the worth that we see in him. And if we're not seeing God high and glorious and majestic and marvelous in our own hearts, then our worship is just going to be kind of a, 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 an exercise in singing. So I'd like to see us uh, have a growing understanding of the greatness of God. And now that doesn't happen just in here. As a matter of fact, what happens in here when Stephanie leads us in worship is actually an outgrowth of what's happening all week long in your own heart and life. And I guarantee you, if in your heart and in your daily life, if you're seeing uh, things and money and and other and your job, if you're seeing those as much greater than when you come in here on Sundays, you're not going to be able to make the shift to really magnifying the Lord. And that's the reason that I believe that you have to every day stand in the presence of God. And acknowledge his greatness. Acknowledge his goodness, his grace. It's easy to remember all those G's, but the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God, and the grace of God. And as you magnify those things in your daily life, day after day after day, then you couldn't keep from joining in corporate worship when you come in here on Sunday. And when uh, Stephanie leads us, to, to sing, oh, come, let us adore him, you will just do it. You will adore him. You're already adoring him, and you'll come in here, and we'll join our hearts and voices, blend together, and worship him. So worship is acknowledging his greatness, but it's also uh, uh, the, the the P, oh, I forgot it here all of a sudden. Maybe I should write things down. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> A, P, I know the E. Let me think. A, P, E. 
Anybody got any ideas what the P might have been? What? Prayer. What? Proclamation. That sounds good. That wasn't what it was, though. Uh, now evangelism is coming later. Huh? Passion. That's what it was. Yeah, passion. Yeah, to, to, to have passionate worship, to, to express our love for the Lord, not just, not just singing, but from our heart, really, really passionate. And then the E was expression or exuberance even, to, uh, to, to sing with enthusiasm. And uh, the, the Bible, all through the book of Psalms, it just talks about singing unto the Lord with excitement, with enthusiasm, and with expressing our praise to Him out loud. Now, I know, and I don't, I don't look around. Uh, Stephanie gets to see it, so I don't know. But uh, And uh, Aaron, when y'all lead worship, I know you get to see it. But I would think that it would be a little bit disconcerting for a worship leader to look out and see half the people not singing. And I know there are reasons that people don't sing. There, you know, some people don't sing because they don't think they can sing. They don't like to sing. But the truth is, uh, it, it's, it's not a suggestion in the Bible. The Bible says, sing unto the Lord. It's a command, and you can sing. Now, you may not be able to sing well. I don't sing well, but I sing. And uh, people who sit around me uh, may, uh, may get off key listening to me, you know. But, but uh, it's usually just my wife that's sitting by, and I try to follow. But, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, it doesn't, I think that it is important for us to express our praise verbally, and uh, there may be a time or two that, that God would have you just silently listen and worship inwardly, but I would love to see every person in the church singing out with exuberance and enthusiasm. Now, uh, uh, again, I've thought about standing up here one Sunday or two, you know, and looking around and see who was singing, but I don't know that that would do any, any good because I wouldn't want to come to people, you know, and say, okay, Tandy, you need to sing a little louder, you know, or something like that. But, uh, but it, it is a personal thing. And I think worship, expressed worship, does something for us. And, uh, and to be enthusiastic about it, I know... Uh, uh, there was a football game on last night. Alabama played Oklahoma, and uh, <laughs> yeah, some people. Were, and <clears throat> it looked to me like people were pretty enthusiastic uh, in in the stands. The best I didn't see all the game, but I, I saw a little bit. And uh, uh, and I I just as I watched those people just going crazy over their team scoring uh, a, a touchdown. I thought, you know, as Christians, we have so much more to be enthusiastic about. And so, so in worship, I say we, we're doing well. I, I'm thankful for what we're doing in worship. I just would like to see it taken up uh, a notch, you know, where everybody is participating. And we're acknowledging the greatness of God. 
and we are passionate about what we're doing, and then we're expressing it with uh, joy. Okay? Any questions about that? Comments? Everybody going to do that more this next year? This means yes? Okay. All right. Great. So, uh, uh, worship is good. Fellowship, we are getting an A plus, I think, in fellowship. I tell you, our church loves to fellowship. But, you know, sometimes we have the idea that fellowship is just coming together and having our pecan pie and, and, uh, and, and, and nobody brought a pecan pie to the last fellowship, by the way. So there does need to be some repentance. <clears throat> but, uh, but we do great. I tell you, we have a wonderful time as, as a church when we have our chili cook-offs and we have our, our church dinners and, and we have our times of fellowship. And even like when we went out singing Christmas carols the other night, that was just a wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship. But I want you to understand, biblically, fellowship is built around the word that means what we have in common. It's the word koinonia in the Greek, and so it means what we have in common. And that's what it says here, that that they had all things in common. But now, what do we have in common? Well, we, uh, we all have the same Father in common if we've been born into God's family. We have the same Lord and Savior. We have one faith, one Lord, one baptism, those things that the Bible says have in common. We have a lot that's not in common. We have a wide variety of ages. We have uh, racial differences. We have uh, uh, economic differences. So there are some things we don't have in common, but we have the most important thing in common, and that is that we've all been bought by the blood of Jesus, sought by the love of God, and brought by the Holy Spirit into the family of God. So we have that in common, and and we express that a lot of times around the meal table. The Bible says that they shared their meals together. They loved to eat, and, and so in that respect, we have that in common with the uh, early church, don't we? And so fellowship, I would say we really, really have a great, uh, 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 a high grade on that, maybe an A-plus in the area of fellowship. Now, what about discipleship? Well, I think probably not as high a grade in discipleship. I know uh, Brother John has been wanting to teach a, a, a discipleship class. Isn't that right? Maybe sometime this later this year, we can do that. But I tell you, discipleship is, uh, it can be formal in the sense of a class, and that's great. But the best discipleship comes when one Christian kind of puts his arm around another Christian and said, let's help each other grow in the Lord. I want to share with you the things God is showing me, and I want to hear from you what God is showing you. You know, uh, uh, and that's that's something you can't really uh, uh, programatize. I know that's not a word, but you can't you can't make that happen through a church program. It has to happen just through the love and the concern and the interest of the congregation. So I would just ask you this question: Is there somebody in your life that you? 
are trying to help build and grow in grace? And is there somebody in your life that is actually helping you? And it could be the same person. I know uh, over the years I've had uh, uh, young men that I've discipled, and some of them are now discipling me. We had a youth pastor down at Ovilla years and years ago named David York. And uh, David, uh, uh, I was his pastor for several years. He came on staff, and, and I discipled him. Well, now every week I listen to his sermon. He pastors up in Oregon. It's there on that West uh, Pacific coast too. And, uh, and I listen to his sermon every week. And my goodness, I'm thinking I'm the the disciple is discipling the discipler, and that's the way it ought to be. I love to learn from those who have learned from me, and then God has taken them to places beyond where I am in some areas. So, are you discipling somebody? Discipleship was just a a natural part or maybe a supernatural part of the early church. And discipleship is what keeps the church moving forward spiritually. If we're not learning, in fact, the word disciple just means learner. If we're not learning, then we've just become stagnant. We've stopped growing. We grow by learning uh, uh, from Christ. So any any thoughts on that? Any word? We're just sitting in the living room here. Does anybody want to say anything? All right. All right. And then the fourth ship is stewardship. And actually, we're doing pretty well with stewardship, I think. That's the idea of generosity, giving, sharing, meeting needs. And uh, I think our church has been very compassionate. And when there are needs among the body, our church has been very, very uh, uh, eager to, to try to meet those needs. And uh, so stewardship is a very, very important part of the Christian life. Let me tell you what the principles of stewardship are. Number one is that God owns everything. You don't really own anything. You may think you own some things, but actually the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness Thereof. That is, God owns everything. And, uh, uh, and it's important for you to understand that. That's the first principle of stewardship. The second principle, though, is that God has entrusted to you a certain amount of health, money, uh, opportunities, other things. God has entrusted to you some things for you to use for him. And he didn't give it to you just for you to squander it on yourself. He didn't give it to you for you to hoard up and store back. Uh, he gave it to you for you to use. And whether it's money or whether it's uh, your job or whether it's your health or whether it's your time, God has given you a certain amount of all these different things and he has given it to you for you to use. Now, part of your using it will bring you joy. 
And there's nothing wrong with enjoying. The Bible says God has given us all things richly to enjoy. So we use the things and we get joy out of it. But it's also to be used for his glory and for the benefit and blessing of other people. So that's the second principle of stewardship. The third principle is that God, this is the scary one, God will hold every one of us accountable for the way we use what he has entrusted to us. There will come a day, and the Bible makes this very clear through several of the parables of Jesus and other teachings in uh, Paul's writing, there will come a day where we will all stand before God and we will give an account for how we have used, abused, or misused all that God has given to us in trust. So, uh, personally, how are you doing? How are you doing in stewardship? And you don't have to be rich to be a good steward. You don't. In fact, you you can you can be very poor and be a good steward. And so God says, "I have I own everything. I've given you some things." Some I've given a lot, some I've given some, some I've given a little. But it doesn't really matter. Whatever I've given to you, I've given it to you for you to use it as a steward, someone who holds it in trust. And someday you will give an account. So that's uh, stewardship. So that's the four ships. Now I come to the last one, the ism. And it is the one that I'm the most concerned about in our church. Evangelism. The word evangel means good news, good news, good report. And uh, evangelism means that we share the good news with as many people as we can in the confidence that God is going to use that good news to bring new people to faith in Christ. It says there the last verse, and the Lord was adding to the church day by day those who were being saved. And uh, I read this last week that 6,000 churches will close in America in 2019. 6,000 churches. That's amazing, isn't it? That means that uh, every week, 100 churches are having their last service. That's amazing. And throughout America, now I I also balance that with knowing that there are new churches being planted, just like uh, up in uh, Seattle. There are new churches being planted up there. And uh, so... It's not like in a few years there are not going to be any churches in America because there are new ones coming in, but there are older churches that are, that are, are, are disappearing. And, uh, and the reason churches die is because they're not reaching people with the gospel in an effective way, and they're not providing <coughs> for people in a way that makes new people <clears throat> come into the church. 
I've been pastoring for 57 years. And uh, this year is the first year in 53 years that I haven't baptized somebody. Do you realize that in our church, we did not baptize one person in 2018? At least I don't think we did. If we did, it happened and I forgot it. But, uh, and I take some responsibility for that. I'm the pastor, my goodness. And uh, I should be seeing more people come to Christ. And by the grace of God, I plan to make this new year more of a year of focus in evangelism. Now, I'm not saying we hadn't had anybody saved in our church this year. We have. We've had, we had six children in Vacation Bible School that prayed to receive Christ, but they were actually going to other churches. And, uh, and some of them were baptized, but they were baptized in other churches. I've led some people to Christ out in the community. I know, Brother John, you've led some people to Christ this year as well. I'm not saying that we're not, we haven't had anybody saved as a result of our witness and our ministry, but discipleship largely depends upon evangelism. The way discipleship is supposed to work is that you get new believers and then someone takes them and disciples them in their Christian life. So uh, my vision for this new year is to have a greater focus on reaching our community with the message of the good news of Jesus. Now, I want you to know that out in our community, there are a lot of people who are not only unchurched, they are unsaved. They're not Christian people. And uh, for some of them, their greatest, uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the best case for unsaved people is just that they live a life of kind of uh, emptiness and uh, frustration. And the worst case is that they're going to die without Jesus and go to hell. And... Uh, and somehow or another, we have got to gear our church to be more effective in presenting the gospel, not just inviting new people to come. By the way, I praise the Lord for the new families that have come into our church in the last year or two. We've had a lot of people who have come, but they're already Christians, and we welcome those. We now, I hope we have another 10 families join this next year. Uh, uh, who are already Christians. But what we do in here in the way of worship and fellowship and discipleship, stewardship, will just become very, very self-focused uh, uh, if we're not taking it out there. And so what can you do? How, what, what can you do? You personally do and one thing the simplest thing is to invite people to come to church with you that's just the simplest thing you, you know somebody say well I just don't know how to present the gospel clearly well we, we can help you with that but anybody can say to a neighbor or a friend 
I sure wish you'd go to church with me next Sunday and just invite them to come. And uh, uh, all of us have people around us that we could invite to come and worship with us. And that gives us an opportunity to meet them and then to visit with them and share the gospel with them personally and privately. And so just invite people. And then and then the next thing is to learn how to clearly share the gospel. And it's not complicated. It's not difficult. There are multitudes of gospel tracts and little gospel pamphlets that you can give to somebody, and you can just read it with them. And uh, what, what's the greatest hindrance to sharing the gospel? What, what, what keeps people from sharing the good news? Rejection. What? Rejection. All right, fear of rejection, fear that somebody's going to uh, reje- not just reject the gospel, but reject you as well. And they might do that. They might do that. All right. What else? Think of what are the reasons that it makes it hard to to share the gospel with somebody? All right, all right. There's such a wide variety of of the way people look at at uh, Christianity and at, at religion and so forth. That's right. That's right. That's right. It is, it is a narrow way. And that, but in a way, that actually is to our advantage because we're able to say to people, there is life in Jesus Christ, only in Jesus Christ, and we can, can make it clear. And so, uh, so this year, you might ask yourself the question, how can I have a greater sense of responsibility for the people that I know? How can, I, how can I pray more and invite more and encourage more and then share the gospel with more people this year than I did in 2018? And do you know that if even half of the members of our church invited two families a month and brought them with you to church, our church would uh, would double numerically, but that's not even the goal. The goal is to see people come to know Jesus Christ, to be baptized, and to follow him in growing and learning about him. So um, to, to share the gospel with people, to be evangelistically effective, uh, we, we have to really care about people for one thing. We have to see all people as people who need Christ. And then we have to clearly articulate to somebody, because we care about them, that they can be saved and forgiven. So that's, that's our four ships in an ism. I think, you know, we, we made an A or a B in some of the ships, but... Maybe a C minus in the ism. 
And so I'd like for 2019 to be a year in which we focus on, uh, on opportunities to reach out into our community and see people come to Christ. And for that to happen, you have to participate. You have to participate. The church is you. You are the church. And we don't talk about the church doing things. You are the church. We talk about what am I doing? How am I helping in the area of worship? Am I a worshiper? Am I being a good steward? Am I uh, discipling someone? Am I fellowshipping? And then am I reaching other people with the gospel? All right, I'd like for us to bow our heads together. We're going to pray. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask you to kind of give yourself personally a little bit of a scorecard. Ask yourself the question, in all of those four areas, if everyone in the church worshiped, the way I worship, what would our church look like? If everybody in the church fellowshiped the way I fellowship, what would our church look like? If everybody in the church was the kind of steward that I am, what would it be like? If everybody in the church was the kind of discipler that I am, what would our church look like? And then finally, if everybody in the church cared and shared the gospel the way I do, what kind of church would we be? And then ask God to help you make some commitment, to make a specific determination of heart. I'm not talking about a resolution, but I'm talking about a commitment to be more effective in whatever area that God has spoken to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Bear Creek Baptist Church. Lord, I love this church so much, and I'm so thankful for the time that my wife and I have been here, and Lord, I'm so thankful for, uh, for the fellowship, for the love. I thank you for Brother Bob Cullen. Lord, I, I, I believe with all my heart that much of the sweetness of this fellowship really is due to his ministry here before I came. And I'm so thankful for him and for Joy and for their family. And I pray that, that, uh, that in every way our church will just continue to grow and increase in these areas of worship. Lord, help us be worshipers with enthusiasm and excitement. Help us, Father, to grow in discipleship and fellowship and stewardship. But I especially ask you to help us become personally responsible and personally involved in the area of meeting new people, inviting new people, and sharing the gospel effectively. And I pray it in Jesus' name. you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website 
www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.